Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. Appreciate you joining us this week, the final week of the regular season. In fact, by the time you hear this podcast, we record on Friday, you listen on Monday. The regular season will officially be over and we'll be gearing up for some October playoff baseball. As always, my name is Mac Wilcox. I'm joined by not two, but just one of my friendly compatriots. This is the Taz to my Excalibur, Evan Lang. What's up, man? How's it going, everybody? I petitioned to rename this podcast Mac and Me, and we just kick yeah! and we just kick Skyler off permanently. Solid movie, solid. Movie. No, it is not. not. As good. It's like, listen, I saw it before I saw ET, so it'll always have like a special place in my heart. Okay, but it's a it's a genuinely terrible film. You know, I think in finding things that are below average, that is where you find, you know, the 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 real tenacity. Uh, of things. I don't know. I got nothing. I can't defend it. Uh, Skyler is out of town this week. He'll be joining us again. We're going to do one more sort of season wrap-up uh, show next week, but for this one, it's just myself at Evan, two-man booth, like some old-school pro wrestling shows. We've got a lot of things we're going to cover this week, specifically about the Rockies finishing up their season, talking about some of the uh, you know events that happened over the last week, of course, but as always, we start these shows off with what we call an icebreaker. And as always, I want you to get at us on Twitter at AltitudeFact. Let us know the answer that you have to this week's question. Evan's going to answer it for us, which is, 
what is your favorite Trevor Story moment? Any spot that comes to mind, maybe a game or like a defensive play, anything you got that is just ingrained in your mind when you think of Trevor Story in what might be the end of his Rockies tenure? Uh, it's got to be the three home run game with the 505. That was mine too. <laughs> yep. It's this. It's the one that I think any Trevor Story fan is immediately going to go to because there's lots of great moments in his career so far, but probably the most exciting and the one that's most ingrained in everybody is the is the three home run game or the 505 home run, just because mm-hmm. of you know how awe inspiring overall that game was, and you know still think about him you know falling to the ground after such a powerful swing. Mm-hmm. That was a yeah. Man, that was so cool. It was so cool, and it and like you said, like it meant so much because like a three home run game, including a legitimate five hundred foot home run, uh, and like you said, like the fact that he hit a five hundred foot home run while falling to one knee, like that is such an iconic moment for him and for anyone that considers himself a fan of him too. So as not to give the same answer because that was my answer too, I'll go with his debut, uh, hitting two home runs against the Diamondbacks. Um, his major league debut was so cool. Because Trevor Story was known to Rockies fans, right? But he wasn't really like a big name coming up out of the minor league system. And he had some pretty big shoes to fill with the departure of Troy Tulowitzki. And here came this kid, you know, this, you know, pretty well-built Texan, just absolutely cranking baseballs out of Chase Field. Uh, That's a prevailing memory of mine for him. It's just like his first ever major league game where he smashed those couple of home runs. So... That was pretty awesome uh, seeing that. And then, yeah, as great a power hitter as he is, man, it's those unbelievable monster home runs and his home run derby performances as well that are so cool to watch and look back on. Well, that uh, that first home run in his debut was like a, a three-run opposite field home run yeah. off of yeah. Zach Greinke, who is yeah. you know a potential Hall of Fame pitcher. And here comes this kid that nobody's ever heard of after – I mean, let's be honest. Uh, complete. It was a complete disaster in right. in the end of 2015 with trading away to- Troy Tulowitzki, who you know, unfortunately though, Tulo his injuries had really gotten the better of him, and then bringing in Jose Reyes, who I have no positive things to say about him mm-hmm. whatsoever. And he only made 47 appearances at shortstop as a Rocky anyway. Right. So coming into the, you know, 2016 season, this kid was a complete unknown. And he just immediately impressed. Immediately. Actually, uh, let's play this game here real quick. Just something I popped up. I didn't put in the run sheet, so sorry to ambush you but uh you were asking us in our purple rose slack channel recently a very interesting trivia question about rocky shortstops oh yeah so i posted this on my twitter and in our slack channel over at purple row of the fact that in rocky's history there have only been three players who were the majority starter shortstop for the season who were only the majority starter for one season Everybody now, else quick, had at least two. Pause the podcast, everybody listening. I want you all to think on that question, because I'll be honest, I didn't get a single one. I was off base for all my guesses. So, everybody listening, I want you to pause this, think about what your answers would be, maybe write them down or something, let us know if you got these right, 
what are the answers? So, the first one is the is the one that I think a lot of people forget about just because of where his career went after this. In 1993, Vinny Castilla mm-hmm. was the majority starting shortstop. Which is crazy thing about now looking back on it, isn't it? Well, he was he was pretty different as a rookie where he was a lot more he had somewhat of a shortstop build, but you could definitely see the move to third base coming. Uh, who am I I'm kidding. Oh you could definitely see it, but I was what? <laughs> two years old? <laughs> a year or two old, yeah. <laughs> a little baby. Hey man, you could tell, bro, when you when you got that eye, you got that eye. But yeah, Vinny Castilla, nineteen ninety three, before he made the switch over to third base starting in ninety five. And who are the next one? Uh then we had uh Josh Rutledge. Uh huh. And this was in two thousand twelve. Uh that was the year that no one was really expecting um expecting that to happen just because he had been hurt. Uh, I mean, Tulo got got hurt, and he basically sat out the majority of that season. Uh, yeah, that was always weird. Cause, and then Josh Rutledge was he was fairly decent in his um, in his stint as a Rockies. He, he had a decently long career in the end, but yeah. uh, you know, at the end of the day, he he had what eight years, I think, and ended up with the with the Boston Red Sox to finish things out. Yep, um, exactly right. And then the last one is, man, I don't think anybody would have gotten this one unless they were they were watching back in the day. So in 2004, the Rockies' uh, pr- primary starting shortstop was Royce Clayton. Yeah, never would have got that, ever. And the only reason I remember that so well is because in the uh, video game MVP Baseball 2005, Royce Clayton is the default shortstop on the Rockies roster. And I remember when we had him, because I had, li- I had liked him, He, I thought he was a cool player, and I remember just because he went to the Diamondbacks after he was with uh, us, because he had been, I think, with the Giants, and then with the Cardinals, and I forget get who he was with in between he had a bunch of one-year stints not Mm -hmm. really a bad player and he had he had actually a really long career he played for like 17 total seasons but he was just never really a a knock your socks off wowzers kind of guy though he did have Mm 1.1 war according to baseball reference in the 2004 season but yeah right three only three shortstops for the rockies who were only the starter for one season let us know, man. Let us know on Twitter if you guys got those, because uh, I can promise you that if you got all three of them, you were in the minority, because we had a lot of wrong answers coming through. But on to more shortstop talk and on to the Rockies' current shortstop as we record today. But by the time you listen, that might no longer be true. Trevor Story's potential, I want to say potential for all this, because none of it's like set in stone, but Trevor Story's potential final home series. They... Uh, had, you know, their series. Um, well, well, I was going to get into the Larry Walker weekend, of course, but he had his, uh, you know, potential last stand in front of Rockies fans. Probably didn't go the way that they would have liked it to. Uh, they lost two or three to the Dodgers. They lost 
all three to the Giants. They did get two or three from the Washington Nationals in the end. Uh, so a losing home series. But that might be it, as Trevor's story in that last home game on the uh, 29th was the first one on the field. They kind of gave him his moment. Very symbolic of someone that might not be around much longer when he took his laps, uh, you know, following the the win against Washington. Uh, very emotional afterwards in his post-game press conference as well, talking about the future of the Rockies and how it's going to be led by guys like Brendan Rodgers and by Ryan McMahon. So really, it, it seems as though, and I, you can tell if I'm interpreting this wrong, but it seems as though Trevor Story might be on his way out. If he is... What do you, I guess, take from this last series? Uh, you know, it is not impossible that the Rockies are going to re-sign him. I would say that most of our listeners and myself are, uh, let's say, at best skeptical that they will. So I guess, Evan, what do you make of what could be Trevor Story's last game in front of a home crowd wearing purple pinstripes? Uh, it was It was emotionally tough, for me at least. I think for a lot of other people as well. Especially because he didn't quite get the the full crowd that I think he deserved. Uh, the game on the yes. 29th was rainy and cold. Uh, the game started at one ten Mountain Time and hit rain delay for about two two and a half hours, and mm-hmm. temperature dropped a good twenty degrees. It was cold. It was wet, and the stadium pretty much emptied out after a little bit. But the people there certainly gave him his ups. I thought the the team and Charlie uh, Blackman letting him take the field on his own to sort of soak it in at the start of the game was a really, really nice gesture. Um, Story, as always, has been a class act with the fans, with the media and all that stuff. At the end of the game, um, he stayed on the field saying goodbye to fans and giving away some stuff. He had like, bats and gloves and things like that. And he had himself a really, really good game, too. Uh, No home runs. His last home game home run came on the 28th. And it was a a doozy. It was like 480-something feet. But in his very – what is likely his very final game at Coors Field, he goes four for four with a walk and scores three runs. And that's – you know, not a lot of times in your very last game at at a certain place as a – with a certain team – do you get to sort of go out on top like he did there with a really, really solid game? And I wish we, you know, I, I, I try not to be a downer. I am always trying to be a voice of optimism on this show, but I wish we had done better by him. I wish we had, as a team, done better by Trevor Story, by Nolan Arenado, by DJ LeMayhew, and um, our fellow colleague and writer Joelle Milholm, her rock pile today, Friday, October 1st, is about sort of all these players leaving and the and the heartache it causes, starting with DJ LeMayhew. And this was sort of, you know, the last piece to fall because Charlie Blackman has an opt-out uh, after this year that he's probably not going to use. He's 35 going on 36 and... He's not going to get paid nearly as much from other teams unless he wants to take a pay cut to try and go join a contender, but I'm not sure I see that happening. And, you know, Trevor has the chance now to go in free agency to, at age 28, go to a team that's going to pay him a lot of money to try and win a championship. Yep. 
And it's tough because, to your point, like, if honestly, it's because there's history that I think it hurts so much more, right? You named all those past uh, players that, for whatever background reasons we may never be privy to, at the end of the day, seemed like they would have liked to stay in Colorado and were unable to for whatever reason, right? Uh, and this seems like another example of that, where the Rockies have a very promising young star, uh, relatively young, right? Um, who is arguably entering their prime of their career and is more than likely going to go play for another contending team while the Rockies are sort of left to pick up the pieces afterwards. And I think that's why it's so much harder, because if it had just been Trevor Story, it's an anomaly, right? Even if it had just been Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, it's, it hurts, but it's, you know, there's not that much history there. But because you, of all the players you named and all the players that we could continue to name, like, that's why it's so hard for fans to kind of accept this. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of talk about the teams, like, maybe the Yankees are interested, maybe the White Sox could pick them up, maybe the Oakland A's or something like that, maybe even the Cubs, and it would just be, I don't know, like, would you be happy if he were to go to a team like that? Like, would you be excited about his prospects of winning a championship? Or, like, what, I guess, do you have any hopes for his future? I think... It's tough because we really, all we have is rumors of where he could potentially go at this point. Of course. And you never really know where he's going to end up until there's ink to paper. But I think whoever signs him is getting an extremely talented shortstop with a very strong bat who is mm -hmm. going to you know help them maybe make a push for a championship. Because we... All, all the all the through all the years of being a Rockies fan, and unfortunately, it's just one of the slings and arrows of being a smaller market team. Is that you can't keep everyone forever, and sure. that you know makes it sometimes a little easier to bear when a player you like leaves. Like I adore Larry Walker, but when he uh, was traded away to the Cardinals, we all sort of understood that it was the very twilight of his career and he was now being sent to have a chance to win a championship or at least play in some playoff games when the Rockies at the time were not really anywhere close to that. Mm -hmm. And you look at other players who, you know, get this chance to, to sort of move on. And it's always going to sting, and I think it stings especially badly right now because it really is, within three years, we've lost three of our cornerstone players. DJ LeMayhew yep. goes to the Yankees without the Rockies making an offer. Nolan Arenado has this very public spat with the front office and is traded to the Cardinals. And now Trevor Story had his very strange day for the deadline and now walks away from the team a free agent at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know where he's going to go. I have some some ideas. Uh I've even heard it floated around that he could go join Nolan on the Cardinals and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Yep. Right now I'm just trying to uh you know sit through it and see how the how the final 3 games or so of the season are going to end up and how the off season goes. Cause there's only, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And there only, there is only so much you can do. It's a, it's a good point to make because like you just said, like 
none of us are in control of anything, and you do just kind of have to sit back and let it kind of unfold before you. So as we say so often on this show, and as we say so often in baseball, you know, we'll just kind of have to see where things go. Um, I think I do speak for, certainly for myself and probably for a decent chunk of the fan base, that, like, if this really is it, like, if we have seen the last of Trevor's story as a Rocky, nothing but positivity from our end for him. Obviously, we hope he goes to somewhere that is going to allow him to get deep in the playoffs, maybe grab a ring as long as it's not L.A. Don't go to L.A. Please, God, don't go to L.A. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, man, like, he's been a joy to watch here. Great to see him kind of grow up and develop into a premier shortstop and one of the premier players in the game. And it wasn't always it wasn't always easy either because no, I remember yeah. I remember when he was slumping very hard in 2017. He hit you know the the sophomore slump as it were, and there were people who were calling for him to maybe be benched in favor of yep. someone else because he couldn't stop striking out. And even I'll admit that I was like maybe it's time for for story to ride the pine because he keeps striking out and this promising young fella named Pat Valeka is getting <laughs> so well that. right now. And uh I got proven very wrong, which I'm absolutely thrilled about, but now we gotta watch him go. Yep. And Pat Valeka's not uh, even here anymore. <laughs> I was gonna say, and you don't even have Pat to back him up. Patty Barrels is out in uh, Baltimore. So speaking of free agents and people that might not be here, uh, we've got a couple other ones. Probably not as high profile, of course, but we've got some pretty significant uh, contributors to the Rockies that might be looking for other destinations next year. We've got guys like C.J. Crone. Uh, we mentioned Story, of course, but there's also John Gray. Jolie's Chassin is set to be a free agent. Uh, Ian Desmond, who I know we have not seen much of the last couple of years, but he is technically at the end of his contract after this season. Uh, pretty simple, uh, straightforward question, Evan. Who do you want to see come back? Who are you okay with letting go uh, from the current crop of Rockies free agents uh, set to become free agents at the end of the season? So I've got the the full list of pending free agents up here in front of me. Nice. Uh, thanks to Spotrack, which is a fabulous resource for looking at uh, contracts and arbitration and free agent signings and stuff like that. Um, so I'll start from the very bottom uh, in terms of player value or what they're being paid. Um, Let's do it is uh, Chris Rusin, who I believe has already been released, was mm-hmm. one of our free agents at the end of the season, uh, about 35 years old, was our rock in 2017, and then just really sort of fell apart with injuries and a lot of other stuff. I yep. think his career is probably done, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one up is Greg Bird. Uh, Greg Bird spent the entire year with AAA Albuquerque, and has had a really, really solid season, all things considered. Uh, average, not quite, not quite where you would want it to be, but he's been a very strong power hitter and first baseman for them. Um, he's almost 29. I can see him coming back. He said that he's very happy with where he is at in terms of coming back to the majors. This has really been for him sort of a reset year uh he's been hurt mm-hmm. a lot and bouncing around a lot in the last couple of years where uh, he was this great big potential guy but just really hasn't been able to stay healthy and get things put together but with albuquerque this year he slashed 270 366 and 537 he has a team leading 27 home runs and 90 rbis 
uh, drawn a decent amount of walks with 58, struck out 104, and this is all in 389 at-bats. I can see the Rockies keeping him around. The question is if another team is going to offer him immediate big league playing time or not, because the Rockies still That's have to one. see how things shake out. Well, I know you were a little bit surprised that Greg Bird didn't really see much major league playing time this season. Especially when there was nothing to lose from calling him up. But Exactly. A full, consistent, injury-free season down in Albuquerque. You know, can't really say no to, I suppose. Exactly. It did wonders for him. I, I hope he does. I personally, I hope he comes back. I like his upside. I know Yankees fans, uh, shouts to my dad, will remember Greg Bird as a uh, very big prospect, as you mentioned, for them. Really uh, sort of their first baseman of the future. And just like you said, really hurt by injuries throughout his career. So, like, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, talking about this as a reset year for him consistent playing time at Albuquerque. I personally would like to see the Rockies bring him back next year, especially if somebody like, well, another first baseman that might be a free agent here, that's a little later on in your list, does end up leaving. Uh, next one up is going to be Chris Owings, who I like Chris Owings, and what little we saw of him this year, he was pretty solid, but he's 30 years old. Um, he has now been hurt a lot. He spent almost this entire season on the injured list, had thumb yes. surgery twice, both on the same thumb. He's just, with his age and how hurt he was this year and the fact that all of his major positions, um, shortstop, second base, center field, are now pretty much spoken for by other younger players. Um, I know the Rockies really like him. I know he likes being with this organization, but he's somebody I would pass on unless you're paying vet minimum or something. You mentioned the word redundant the other day. Speak to that a little bit. Well, because so Owings plays second base. Think of all the other players that we have that can play second base. Joshua Fuentes down in Albuquerque is learning second base. Garrett Hampson can play second base. Uh, Ryan Valade can play shortstop and second base. Hampson can also mm -hmm. play shortstop. Brandon Rogers plays short and second. Valade can play in the outfield. Hampson can play in the outfield. We've got Hilliard in center field. Tapia who can play center field. Just all of his major positions that he plays are covered and i know that the rockies like positional versatility but there is such thing as too much and i just yes unless he's coming back on vet minimum i don't really see a reason to bring him back because he'd just be blocking other guys at this point which has been an issue with yep. this team makes perfect sense uh next guy is going to be jolice chassin who has man what an interesting season he's had what a very surprising season, huh? Because he's coming back from, he got cut by the Yankees in uh, after preseason. And he's had a rough last couple of years. Not terrible, but uh, 2019 and 2020, uh, he posted career-high ERAs of 6.01 and 7.20. Though in 2020, he only played two games. Um, that was with the Atlanta Braves. But then... Uh, this year, he's really worked himself into a guy that the Rockies have relied on a lot as a late-inning setup kind of guy, which is funny to watch because he's gone from a starter now, and then he started the season with the Rockies more of as a long-relief kind of guy, right. um, to really his first major work 
uh, or first year where the majority of his work is coming out of the bullpen. He started one game this year with the Rockies in 45 total appearances in 62 and one-third innings. And he's been really solid. Uh, 4.19 ERA. He's been really reliable. He's 33 years old, I think going on 34 by the time the next season starts. And him I want to bring back, especially as a good elder statesman kind of bullpen guy for a bullpen that is trending younger, especially with how... um, reliable he's been this year he's not exactly flashy but the fact that he gets the job done and he he said that this is the first place that came to mind of where he wanted to be after he was cut by the yankees so it's a guy who wants to be here is performing well here and i think can be a good mentor for a lot of the young guys that are going to be coming up through our system in the next year or so so you say resign absolutely i dig it i dig it next uh so next is the first of the big ones Mm-hmm. That's going to be C.J. Crone. And this is a tough one. I'd say C.J. has about a 50-50 shot of being re-signed by us. I'm a proponent of signing him because um, a lot of our first base prospects, guys like Michael Toglia and stuff like that, still have a couple years before I would say they're big league ready, especially when... C.J. Crone put up such an excellent season with us this year where he's played 139 games so far and he's slashing 277, 371, 528. He leads the Rockies in home runs with 28. He leads the Rockies in RBIs with 90. He was one of the single best hitters in all of baseball in the month of August. And he seems to like it here and he seems like he's doing really well here. He's not what I would call a long-term solution. Uh, He's 31 going on 32, but Mm -hmm. considering that uh, our major first base prospects are just not ready to go yet. I think it would be a good move to sign him for a reasonable, maybe two or three year deal. And then we also have the fact that he can be a designated hitter. If we need to move him around at all um, with the, universal designated hitter being very likely to come next season. Right. Um, and if we, if we don't, like I said, I think it's about a 50, 50 shot. If we don't bring him back, there's at least some guys now that we can put at first base. Probably my first candidate would be Connor Joe. Um, so that he is getting regular playing time or we have Greg bird down in Albuquerque who we could bring back. Yep. But it's tricky. I really like CJ, though. I was happy we brought him in, and I'd certainly be happy enough to have him stick with us for a couple more years. Dig it. I like that. Who's next? Uh, So next up is John Gray. John Gray, I think, is the most likely to re-sign with the team. I agree. He's in his age 29 season. He's had like most of the Rockies pitchers, a fairly solid season with some ups and downs. Um, He has said that he wants to be here long-term. This is where he wants to be. The team has said that they want him to be here. What makes me nervous is that it's been basically radio silence since then. Yes. And that goes for really everybody on the team right now. And it just makes me a little bit nervous. I don't know if they're waiting until they've officially cemented who the new GM is in the off season or anything like that. 
but the fact that there has been no communication with the Rockies and any of their pending free agents camps just makes me super, super nervous, especially uh-huh. when John Gray should be a done deal at this point. Right now, for this season, he's only getting paid about $6 million. He will probably fetch a decent price in free agency, but I think the Rockies would be able to get him for a fairly good deal. And he's been with the team for six years now. Uh, This year, he had a fairly strong season. In 28 starts, he pitched to an ERA of 4.28, over 145 innings. And he did have some issues with injury. And as we've sort of gone down the stretch here, he's had some some tougher games, especially in September. But that's like a lot of our other starting pitchers. So I want, you know, I think... Everybody wants the Rockies to bring him back, especially when they made a big to-do of not trading him at the deadline and saying we're not trading him because we want him to come back. Exactly. And then we haven't heard anything yet, and it's now October 1st. Yeah, so John Gray would be a great one to bring back just because he is one of the cornerstones of that great young rotation the Rockies have developed. So I'm sort of in the same camp as you. It sounds like he's going to be resigned. I'm pretty confident he's going to be resigned, but sure would love to get some more information on that. It just makes me nervous. I don't like silence. Yep, I'm with you on that. And then two just quick mentions. Um, so mm. like you said, Ian Desmond is technically at the end of his contract. He does have a club option for $15 million. I I don't see that happening. He's now been out yeah. of baseball for two years. He opted out in 2020 and 2021. And he's going to be 36 years old. And there are so many other younger players now that are getting consistent playing time. Uh, I like Desi as a person. Great guy. I just don't see any point towards vesting that club option to have him come back if anything if ian desmond came back to the team in in 2022 i would like to see it be as a coach um because a lot of players including trevor story have touted his you know sort of leadership presence in the locker room and that they really respect him yeah always seem to be a good clubhouse guy we mentioned that he is always one of the recipients or at least one of the uh finalists for the roberto clemente award which is fantastic. Great human being. Like you say, maybe not the right role for him on this Rockies team right now. And then uh, Charlie Blackman has a player option for $21.3 million um, for the coming year. I do not see him opting out. It's always a possibility, but like I said, he's going to be 36 and we've seen his skill set declining as, as you know, as it does with a, a player of his age, but he still has a lot that he can bring to this team. And while he had a slow start at the beginning as he was sort of working around how pitchers were approaching him differently, um, I think that he'll be around for for next year and probably the year after that even. What happens after that, I don't know. Maybe he retires because he'll be 37 or 38 years old when his contract is officially over after both of his player options. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool to have him uh, come back, of course. And it sounds like, like you mentioned, that's pretty much a done deal. Um, as you know, especially because losing Story and uh, Blackman in the same offseason, that'd be that'd be a heartbreaker. So yeah, it's pretty safe to say that we'll keep seeing it tonight, uh, next season, once he's back with the Rockies. I think if he wasn't going to come back, we'd know already. 
we'd be That's a we'd be point. having much the same to do with well, what's been going on with Trevor's story over the last week or so, where you know That's a good get, getting your goodbyes in, having your last home game at Coors Field, that kind yep. of thing. Um, versus, you know, well, and to your point with having Trevor Story go out in the field by himself, that was Blackman's move, yeah. right? Blackman kind of captained that entire spot. And and there's no one I'd rather have be the. What this really reminds me of, though, the age gaps are a little bit different. Is back in the days of Todd and the Toddlers, or Generation R, <laughs> as they called it, when Todd yeah. was far and away <laughs> the oldest guy on the team. But it's. It's that thing where there's nobody that I would rather have be the be the old man of the group, be that I you know, I'd call him the team captain at this point. The elder states, yeah, heralding in a, a new generation of younger younger Rockies players. Yep, totally agree. It'll be good to have him back around next season. He's always you know great character, very charismatic, very fun, and as you mentioned, very important to the Rockies culture. Let's go ahead and wrap up this first half. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we are back, we're going to get into Larry Walker weekend. We're also going to talk a little bit about basically some topics around MLB. Talk about a former Rocky staying in St. Louis and how crazy we are officially, when you're listening to this in October baseball, let's get into the playoffs a little bit. So stick around with us through this break. We'll be right here in just a second. And we are back. We are ready to continue this here conversation between myself and Evan and uh, Evan, my Jeff Houston to my Drew Goodman. I have one more bit of Rockies uh, topics. I want to cover you. The was one that's very close to your heart, of course, as it is to every single Rockies fan. That's Larry Walker weekend. Uh, one of the things that happened in the past final homestand was celebrating the legacy of Larry Walker, the first official Rockies hall of famer. They put his number up officially retired. No other Rocky will ever wear number 33. It's a very nice uh, gesture, very nice, uh, very nice uh, ceremony with the gold-plated 33 now hanging up above right field. Uh, you were there. You were at that game. Tell me all about it, man. Tell the fans about your experience. Tell the fans about Larry Walker and what he means to the organization. Just anything you got on this really, really cool moment for Rockies fans. Uh, logistically, it was sort of a mess. Um, there have unfortunately been some... Uh, not so great stories coming out about um, more logistically of how things were going at that game uh, in terms of like uh, getting your photograph with the plaque and certain uh, parts of the venue running out of food and drinks and stuff like that. The actual game uh, was very frustrating because we got our butts kicked by the Giants again. Mm-hmm. And I was I was hoping that we would win one for for Larry out there. But that sort of is just, you know, how it goes. That's baseball. But the the ceremony was fantastic. And it started a little late, and it ran a little late. And honestly, I'm totally okay with that. It was just such a, a great thing. Having all of the, uh, the speeches were really, really cool. Vinny Castilla made a very, very nice speech for Larry. Uh, former Rockies general manager Bob Gebhardt, who I still think was one of the best GMs the Rockies have had in team history because he was sort of the architect of the original Blake Street Bombers, had a, a very, very nice speech. And then uh, Larry's speech was, as we've as we've seen him, especially 
during him making the rounds after his Hall of Fame induction and, and at his Hall of Fame induction, he was warm, he was affable, he was humorous. Um, it was it was really, really great to see him there. And my favorite thing of the whole thing was that they brought back the original Rockies PA announcer, Alan Roach, who is the current PA announcer for the Colorado Avalanche, and he's usually the PA announcer for events like the Super Bowl, because he's just that good, uh, came in and did introductions and did Larry's uh, at-bat call a couple more times. And that was... I got so, so excited for that. I Mm -hmm. marked out over Mm -hmm. Alan Roach being there. And then having his daughters uh, remove the drape to reveal the gold encircled number 33 placard up in right field. Just, it was such a nice uh, wrap up to everything. And, you know, I've said it so, so many times that Larry Walker is one of the perfect, most ideal candidates for the Rockies first Hall of Famer in Cooperstown. And, um... It, it's one of the things that was uh, up on the on the jumbotron before the game was that the crazy train was making its final stop, uh, and if uh, y'all never were able to get out to a Rockies game during the time he played with us, Larry Walker's walk-up song for pretty much his entire career was Crazy Train, and they played that a bunch during the the ceremony and throughout the game, and having. You know, Coors Field be the final stop of the crazy train after all these years really is immensely meaningful. And I was originally going to be going with my dad. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it out there with me. Uh, And my dad is the reason I'm so much into baseball today. Um, Got me into baseball in the Rockies when I was a kid a lot more than I already was. And... Uh, you know, Larry Walker was my favorite player as a kid. He was my childhood hero. Of course. I adored him. I idolized him. And having everything being drawn to this conclusion of Larry Walker's number is now forever enshrined here in Colorado. His face is forever enshrined in Cooperstown. Man, it's it's tough to put in into words how meaningful that is. Yeah, man. It's just, I've, I'll say it to death. The fact that the Rockies officially have a Hall of Famer cannot be understated. There's no way to do it. It's an amazing moment for every single person that's ever watched the Rockies and called themselves a fan. It's even better that it happens to be a great guy like Larry Walker, who is, again, he's funny. The SpongeBob shirt is obviously iconic now. Like, <laughs> that immediately becomes a part of, like, Rockies lore. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that he got the call while wearing SpongeBob shirt. And what was he wearing when he actually went to the induction ceremony? Oh, a SpongeBob shirt. Yeah, a SpongeBob lapel pin. Like, come on, it's amazing. So, no, I'm with you. I think it's great. I think it's so awesome. Um, I think the the plaque itself is gorgeous, of course, and it's it's a really really great moment for all Rockies fans for sure. Yeah, I cried. Skyler cried. A lot yeah. of people cried. <laughs> yes, it's incredibly emotional. It's it's great. It's it it because it means something to you. It's real. You know, it's tangible. That's why I love it so much. Um, yeah, man. Awesome. Let's get to uh, the rest of baseball. So what a nutty week we are in for. Again, by the time you guys listen to this on Monday, it'll all the dust will have been settled. But as 
Evan and I are sitting here, man. We got some wild stuff going on. So we actually, while we were recording this podcast, just got the news that Adam Wainwright is actually going to be signed with the Cardinals through next season, through 2022, which will coincide with Yadier Molina's farewell tour. He is calling it a career after 2022. So actually during the break, Evan and I were talking about how this is probably their last ride together, The you know, that great pair of uh, pitcher and catcher, that batter, probably going to call it a career after the next season. Who's going to join them next season? Well, Nolan Arenado has officially said he's going to opt in with the Cardinals. Evan said in the first half, it's all rumors until there's actually ink to paper, but it sounds like it's basically a done deal that Arenado will hang on with the Cardinals through next season and not opt out as he is able to do. What do you make of this, really, Evan? It doesn't have to be a whole long thing, but I guess what's your take of uh, the Cardinals running it back with the same key pieces that they had this year? I don't know. It's a little... It's a little odd because the Cardinals for a large part of this season were sort of just okay. Like they weren't that much better than the Rockies despite having uh, a winning or over 500 record. And it's really been in this last part of the season where they've been on an absolutely insane surge. They won 17 in a row, which is gave off some real Rocktober vibes there. Um, I think a large part of it is that they're, they're trying to push for another world series, obviously. And I think that they believe, or Wayno and and Yachty believe that within the next year or two, they'll be able to do that because, you know, neither of them are certainly getting any younger and Nolan Arenado is clearly bought in. He, He said that he intends to make it official that he's staying with the team. Yes. Next year. Um, so I think it's really just them trying to make that one last push, probably especially for Yachty and Wayno, because they're, they're one of the longest tenured batteries in baseball history, where they've got some of the most games thrown to each other than any other any of the other batteries in baseball history. I think they actually have the opportunity next year to break the number one overall record for... Uh, for that, but I don't know the exact numbers escape me at this time. Sure. But they're they're definitely one of the most prominent batteries in baseball history, and I think Nolan buys into that. And they've got a bunch of younger talent starting to come up now as well. Um, so I think it's it's a smart move on their part, and they've definitely surged this year. I don't know what's going to happen because they're probably going to be playing in that you know play in wild card game which I think they should have kept that as a three-game series because the fact that you can have two incredible teams like the Cardinals and then either one of the 100-plus mm-hmm. win Dodgers or Giants have their fates decided by a single game mm-hmm. in a sport that's done in series has always really driven me crazy, but we'll see. Yeah, it's true. I uh, You're right, and I think it's funny you mentioned the playoff thing too because you're right, it's like... The Dodgers or the Giants, whichever one does not end up winning the West, will have the first wild card spot locked up, so they'll have home field advantage for that game. But it's one game. Anything could happen in one baseball game, as you know better than almost anybody. And it's crazy to think that a 104 or 103 win team could have their season ended by just one shoot, by one bad pitch, really. Uh, it's, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals do. Obviously, they did not win the Central this year, but they went on that ridiculous, like, 17 game winning streak. 
Uh, we'll see if they're able to kind of get more success next year now that they've got this core together for the full, you know, season and understanding with Wainwright and Yadier Molina both probably calling it a career after this, if that drives them anymore into the next season. So that was sort of some National League talk. Let's talk American League. How about this wild card? Absolutely nutty. Oakland is officially out of the running, but we still got four teams that are in the thick of it. I mean, there are only a couple games separating the four teams that are still in the AL wildcard hunt, those being the American League um, East teams, mostly. You know, we've got the Yankees, we've got the Red Sox, we've got the Blue Jays. Oh, and don't forget about Rockies West, the Mariners, right? As Evan and I record today, Friday, most games have not started playing yet. The New York Yankees are two games up in the wild card, and Boston and Seattle are tied, if you can believe that, for the second wild card with Toronto just a game behind. Unbelievable matchup between all four of these teams. The Mariners have been playing out of their minds lately. The Red Sox just lost two of three to the Orioles, who are the bringers of chaos. What do you make, Evan, of all of this nonsense with the American League East? And I want to know your official three days left in the season. Who is taking home those two spots? I'm a little – so I got a buddy who's a big Red Sox fan. And you know, I, I can't hate on him that much. And he would very much like to see them go in. But with how the Red Sox played against the Orioles, there's uh, there's some concern there where they are. So they're playing the Nationals uh, for their final series starting today. And you would think that that would be sort of a gimme. But that's what you thought about the series against the Orioles and the Orioles were the bringers of chaos. So it's sort of worrying, I would say on their part that they are tied with Seattle and only a game ahead of Toronto, but the blue Jays are playing the Orioles for their final series. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what the Orioles are going to bring to that. The Mariners meanwhile are playing the angels and it has uh, come out that as a pitcher, Shohei Otani's season is over. He'll still hit for the last three games of the season, um, but he's done pitching. And so, you know, he is, if not one of, he's the best pitcher on the Angels staff. And now the Mariners do not have to face him. You never know what's going to happen, especially with uh, the Yankees being two games up, could still you know, run into some issues. They're playing the AL East uh, champion Tampa Bay Rays Mm -hmm. for their last three games. And they're only two games up with three games to go. So this last, uh, this weekend here is going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. Personally, I want the Mariners in. I want them in so bad. And tell me why you like the Mariners so much, Evan? Because I, I know love there's the a bit of history here. I mean, they're the they're the they're the Rockies. Uh, they're the Rockies West or Rockies Pacific Northwest. Uh, but they've always had a ton of players I really like. My grandpa was a Mariners fan. Um, they have Ichi, Ichiro, Edgar Martinez, Ken Griffey Jr. I've always really liked them, and they're sort of my my second team that I follow here. And if the Rockies aren't in the playoffs, why not the Mariners? Right? Mm-hmm. It's true. I also love the Mariners. I think they're so much fun. Mitch Hanniger is playing out of his mind right now. It's great to see. Their uh, social media is also fantastic, which is, you know, always a plus for me. Uh, It's fun to see a team like the Mariners, who I think a lot of people really wrote off uh, weeks ago, if not months ago, 
really making a strong push for the playoffs right now. I'd love to see them get in. Hot take, I'd like to see the Mariners and the Blue Jays get in. It's nigh on impossible that that will be the case, but I think that would just be so much fun, these two teams that are on the come-up. Uh, the Mariners, obviously, they've been doing their rebuild the last couple seasons. The Blue Jays really starting to lean into this idea of having these young guys take over. The, you know, uh, Bo Bichette's and, of course, Vlad Guerrero, who has been unbelievable this season. Uh, I would love to see them get in. Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be crazy these last couple seasons or these last couple days, and of course, as I've said before, those listening right now, it'll be Monday when you hear this, so you'll already know what's going on, which is crazy to me. But tell us in the future, man. Uh, let us know how our picks did. A little wrap up it's here. It's not impossible that the Jays get in. That'd be so great. That'd be so great. I love the Blue Jays. I think they're so much fun to watch. It's been so cool seeing guys again, like these young dudes, man. The who, I mean, we all knew Vladimir Guerrero was going to be good, right? Like, duh. But, like, did anybody honestly expect him to be this good? For him to be, like, this out of his mind? He looks like a superstar. He is a superstar. Yeah. Like, where did he, like, I, again, like, I know he was going to be heralded as, like, the next guy. But, like, how often do those expectations really come true? You know what I mean? And yet, here he is playing, like... Babe Ruth could only dream. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am all about this guy. And he, I'm all about Robbie Ray. The story there, too. You know what I mean? This guy that's a very strong candidate for the AL Cy Young. Not a heralded pitcher for the uh, for the Blue Jays. Just a guy that is a bit of a bulldog. Goes out there and just throws his best stuff every game. Not a big-name strikeout guy like maybe a Max Scherzer or maybe, you know, not a phenom like Shohei Otani. Just a consistent, good pitcher. Well, his his strikeout stuff has been fabulous this year. Yeah. And in my opinion, he's won the the AL Cy Young. He's he, your guy, he, huh? He's got it. I don't think there's anything that can change majorly in the next three days no that Garrett are going Cole? to change that. I think uh, Robbie Ray has been better than Garrett Cole. Right on. Okay. Okay. Especially because the, the second half of the season, Garrett Cole's had somewhat of a slide. He's still a very good pitcher. But Robbie Ray, I think, has this in the bag. Mm-hmm. I that's that's awesome. I think it's so cool. And then speaking playoffs, let's just get into it, man. This is this is it. This is our last podcast before the playoffs begin. And so my question for you is, give me some give me some takes, man. Who do you got going into the NLCS? Who you got going to and winning this year's World Series? Uh, first off, I want to laugh at the Padres. Of course, have to. <laughs> uh, who have officially clinched a losing record. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. After, after everything in the offseason at the trade deadline, that they fall apart so hard down the stretch that they cannot have a winning season this year. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. And not only that, like, that's true. But they're going to finish with maybe five more wins than the Rockies? Four more wins than the Rockies? Yeah. At you time know what of, I mean? At time of recording, the Padres are 78 and 81. The Rockies are 73 and 85. Yeah, and the Rockies are officially going to play one less game than them this year. Uh, that postponed game with the Braves is officially not happening. Uh, it has no playoff. Um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for here? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Help me out here. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter in the in the scheme of the playoffs. So the 
game with the Braves will not be played. So there you go. It's our first ever 161 game season with the Rockies as well. But the Padres, who were lauded as a World Series team, I'll admit it. I had them go to the World Series. We had our Purple Row predictions at the start of the season. I had a White Sox and I had a Padres World Series. And turns out the Padres are just a couple games better than the Rockies are. So I love that in and of itself. Any chance I get to laugh at the Padres, man, I'm going to take that. But let me know your playoff teams, man. Who you got going deep in this thing? So in the National League, currently, I I think it's going to be the Giants in the World Series. Yeah, just too hot, huh? They have been so surprisingly good. They've got one of the best run differentials in the league. They've really been on a tear. They've won six in a row here in their mm-hmm. um in their eight and two in their last ten. They have a winning record over teams that are playing over five hundred. They have a winning record both at home and away. They've got 105 wins right now, and they're just carrying an absolute surge of momentum where I think they, they've they got it pretty much locked down. Though I think the winner of the wild card could surprise them. I think the wild card's going to end up being basically what it is now. It's going to be Los Angeles versus St. Louis. But mm-hmm. if St. Louis can carry some of the absolute red-hot energy that they've been playing through the month of September, I think they could potentially knock out the Dodgers in the wild card. So you don't really think Atlanta or Milwaukee impress you that much? Relative I, to the other teams. I like both of those teams a lot. Um, but I think the the real ones to look out for are going to be the Giants and the and the Cardinals. Sure. So that's the NL side. Give me the AL side. The AL side, I think the Rays are going to make it far. And They're such a well-built team, aren't they? I mean, all of, all of the teams that won their divisions in the American League are very strong, very well-built teams. Yeah. Where, um, you know, Houston is, for as much as they are disliked, they are a very strong and well-built team. Yes. And that's sort of... Um, we were talking about this with some of our colleagues on um, from other websites around SB Nation that the managers of both the White Sox and the Astros inherited playoff teams mm-hmm. um, because a lot of people have been talking of you know, Tony Larusa for how well the White Sox have played this year, but you know forget that the White Sox played about this well last year. Mm-hmm. And you know Tony Larusa inherited a very strong team. Same for the That's Astros. A really important and, point. Yeah, same for the Astros and Dusty Baker. Right. Uh, I think the strongest team altogether is probably got to be the Rays. I can definitely see them being in the ALCS. And you know what? I want to believe. Give me the Mariners. Oh yes, that would be so hype. I think the White Sox are still going deep. And that's probably my own bias, but I just think that right now, I I don't think the White Sox have played their best baseball all season. I think that they have, honestly, as weird as it might seem, for a team that at time of recording has 91 wins, I don't think they've played up to their potential. I think that they are a 110-win team when they are at their full strength, and that might be ridiculous of me to think, but I think this White Sox team is stupid talented. I think their pitching staff has not pitched as well as they could. 
They've been absolutely crippled by injuries throughout the season. Uh, I like the White Sox. I think they are going to be able to get past a team like Houston uh, in the first round. I really think that it will be a tough series, but I think that they can do it. And then I think for the wild card, I, of course, I'd like to see the Mariners. I think the most dangerous team still in it personally is the Yankees. Uh, I just think that they are really hot right now. They've got a really, really strong lineup. Their pitching staff, we mentioned Garrett Cole all the time, but their pitching staff is very solid. So my, like, you know, if I can put like a dark horse pick, it might not even really be a dark horse, but I like the Yankees going deep if they are able to, well, A, get to the wild card, and then B, survive that game. I really like the Yankees going deep. So I'll lock it in. My World Series, uh, as it's not going to be the World Series I would prefer, but I think it's the World Series that's the most likely for me, is Giants and Yankees, which I'm sure the major news networks will love because that's a big, you know, it's a California and New York connection, which they are all about. No, they'd only like it more if it was the Dodgers and the Yankees. Oh, worst possible case scenario. Like that, that was my worst uh, case scenario. That was my prediction. My beginning of the year prediction was Dodgers Yankees, oh. and so oh. I hope to be proven wrong. Gosh, I mean, wow, that would be tough. I don't I, know about anybody else. That would be tough for me personally. I think you're right though with the White Sox with all the injuries they've had and guys like Giolito having a down year. All right. things considered, that they could really, uh, they could really surge strongly in the postseason here now that everybody is healthy. Yeah, well, everyone's healthy, and like you mentioned, Giolito, like I had him winning the Cy Young this year, but he took a step backwards. Craig Kimbrell has not pitched as well as he would like since coming over to the South Side. So I, I really think this White Sox team, if they can get it together, I think if the White Sox play to their potential, there's no better team in baseball. Like, at all. Like, I don't think there's a better team than the White Sox. But they have to get their stuff together, basically. Yeah. And then with the Yankees, the Yankees are Tom Brady. You never count yeah. them out. Yeah. <laughs> Do not yeah. count them out until they are actually out. That's such a perfect analogy that the Yankees are Tom Brady. That's, like, perfect. <laughs> it's like, it. uh, like, we, like week one, Cowboys versus Buccaneers. Cowboys were up towards the end of the game. But Tom Brady had time to get them back into it. It's the same Can't with same with Aaron Rodgers. Do not oh, count okay. out. Uh-huh. Well, right. no, but it's look at the <laughs> the thing. look at the the Niners Packers game from this most recent Sunday, where Packers trailed in the waning seconds of the game, but they gave Aaron Rodgers about a minute to push downfield for a, a game-winning field goal from Mason Crosby. You do mm-hmm. not count that team out until it is actually over and that's the i groan because i'm a bears fan and uh i don't like aaron Rodgers. but how can i say anything my my football team is like a yeah how is that how is that 26 team. total yards of <laughs> offense against the browns it ain't, it ain't going great brother it's not mm-hmm. good when uh i have as many receiving yards in a game as most of their team does too nine anyway sacks uh yeah uh, before we get too deep into this rabbit hole, and Evan absolutely buries me for my football allegiances, let's call it an episode. <laughs> Excellent stuff uh, for just the duo. I appreciate you hanging with me, man. Where can the fans find you on Twitter? Uh, so my Twitter is at Evan underscore Lang 27. I would love to hear from you, and we can talk trash about the Bears together. I don't know. Oh, um... there it is. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Perfect. Kings in the North, baby. Yeah, uh, I mean, and then the official Twitter account for this podcast is at Altitude Effect. We'd love to hear from you there as well. Absolutely. 
Let us know the icebreaker answers that you guys have, man. We'd love to hear about that. Uh, he's not with us here today, but Skyler Timmons is usually on this show with us. He'll be back next week. Find him at, at sideline underscore crowd. He is hilarious on Twitter. He makes a lot of great Rockies memes. Uh, he turns you know great plays into gifts. Check out Skyler, man. He's a good buddy of ours, and he's a really, really great uh, co-host on the show with us. And then I am at Cormac Battle Pro, C-O-R-M-A-C, Battle Pro. Uh, let me talk about you know wrestling, about Bears football, about upcoming Nuggets season, of course, about the MLB playoffs. Whatever you guys want to rap about, I'd be happy to get talk with y'all. Oh man, you know, else, Nuggets! Any, any final so, sign-offs. Nuggets, that's so exciting! I just got my first tickets for the for Nuggets games. For oh yeah, man. Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped for that. Uh, to make sure y'all uh, tune in next week. We got a really really fun show ahead of us. We do our final our... season wrap-up show. Our final season wrap-up show. Can you oh, believe man. that this is going to be... So this is... Pull back the curtains. This is episode 16 right here. Mm-hmm. And next week is going to be episode 17. So 17 weeks of this show, which we didn't get started um, when the season started. But we've still been pushing on through. And this is both mine and Max and, and Skyler's first full season on the site. And it's been... yeah. It's been a real interesting one, that's for sure. It has been interesting. Shout out to all of you guys for listening, man. We love doing this. Uh, Evan, Skyler, and I talk every single week about how much fun it is to do this podcast and to write on the site and everything. Like he just mentioned, man, our first full season on Purple Row, getting to do our game recaps and our rock piles, and this podcast has been an absolute blast. Uh, Next week, we're going to kind of do just a final wrap-up of everything we've talked about uh, up to this season, and just like sort of like a little, almost like an award show situation. And then uh, throughout the offseason, we'll kind of keep doing some podcasts. Not as frequent, but we'll figure something out. Um, yeah, man, that's it. Thank you guys for joining us this week in our last regular season of podcast. Let us know how our predictions looked three days on. And we'll catch you guys next week. Skyler can't hit him with it, so Evan, you're up. Uh, uh, geez. Uh, yep. Uh, farewell. Money. See you all next week.